I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle from Layers of Learning, and I'm here with my sister, Karen. Hi. Today we are going to talk to you about planning, and we're going to begin by talking about how we plan for our homeschool year, and then we're going to walk you through some of the pages in our planner, the Layers of Learning planner that you can get on our website. So first, we're going to start with how do we actually plan for our homeschool year. So Karen, give us a quick rundown. What do you do? I am a summertime planner. I don't have a lot of time during the actual school year. Things get busy. My kids are in sports. We just have a lot going on. And I find that if I'm not planned ahead of time, we get a lot less accomplished. So I definitely do the bulk of my planning in the summertime. And how long does that take you? You know, I really kind of devote about a week to it. And I'm not saying that that's all that I do for a week. But I try to take like a week in the summertime where I go, okay, I'm not going to make other plans. We're, it's a week that we're not going on vacation. We're not doing a lot. And I do things like jot down my plans in my lesson planner, order the books that I'm going to want to use. I make library lists on our website and I print out my printables. So it's not like I do that full time constantly, but I kind of have in my mind, these are the things that if I prepare ahead of time will make my school year really smooth and easy. And if I didn't get it done within the week, that would be okay. But I do kind of give myself a week where I tell my kids, okay, we're not, you know, going to go to the lake every day and all of that. Mommy needs a little bit of time to get ready for our school year. So I do basically the same thing. I tend to plan sometime in July because I need a few weeks after the previous school year has ended to kind of, you know, decompress and process that and think through, okay, what went on and what differences or changes do I want to make? It's good to plan with some fresh enthusiasm yeah. instead of when you're burned out. Exactly. A little. But I want to do it early enough that I can get books ordered and so on before September comes. Yeah. And I will say that when I'm doing that summer planning and I you know, I just mentioned, I tell my kids, well, we can't go to the lake. I actually do sometimes go to the lake. Like I have been known to be sitting on a chair at the beach with my planner filling things out. A lot of it, I need my computer because I need Amazon. I need their library website. I need to actually have some of that time. But it doesn't mean that I am like closing myself off in the room and that is all that I'm doing full time. Like this is my planning week. But I'm I'm like you. I try just, to give myself a cushion of time yeah. where it won't be a stressful, stressful thing. And you're taking that, you know that all your free time that week is going to be spent on the planning stuff. Yeah. You set I, some time I, aside. I set some time aside so it's not stressful. It becomes stressful if I don't give myself enough Okay, I'm, I'm secretly maybe more in love with the planning than the actual homeschooling. <laughs> So. I, I'm actually the same way. I love it. I love shopping for books on Amazon. Oh, I do too. I love planning out the fun projects that we'll do. And I even love making like, lists. Yes. I love making lists. I love planning it. And in my mind, all these wonderful lessons are forming. <laughs> so it doesn't always pan out quite like I imagined, but. Well, and that's part of that okay. fresh enthusiasm though, too. Like you get excited for the school year when you plan, you get, you look forward to those things that you're going to do and it makes me more ready to start school you know yeah I actually get excited again for school and especially when the Amazon boxes start arriving oh yeah in the mail that's so fun that is so much fun 
New books on the bookshelf. Yes. Always fun. Always fun. And the little kit that you bought or whatever. It's so it's so much fun. So what is the first step, though, that you take when you're planning in the summertime? What's the very first thing that you do? The very first thing I do is I assess kind of last year. Okay, so maybe we were doing Latin. Do I want to do Latin again? Is it valuable to push on with that? Should I switch to a different subject? You know, I kind of assess how things are going and kind of look at, okay, which direction do I want to go? Kind of a big picture for each subject. I do the same. And I definitely have to stop myself from just adding and adding and adding. Oh, yeah, I know. You have to also edit what you did before and say, okay, we loved that. But this year, we're going to focus more on this subject. You know, if you don't edit, but you keep adding, pretty soon you realize, I don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that I want. So we have to remember, your kids don't have to learn every single subject every single year for you to Or, or all them. year. It's okay to take a subject. Maybe you do have five things that you're like, oh, I really wish that we could fit these all in. Well, split them up between months and just do... You know, do Latin for a month and then move on to some little bit of Spanish and then you can move on to doing woodworking or whatever it is that you really think would be fun to do in your homeschool. Yeah, and it's also important to remember as you're making plans, they are not set in stone. If you start to do something and your kids completely take off and love it, it's okay to say, you know what, we're going to keep doing this even though I only planned two months worth. We need to keep doing it. They're loving it. Or if they're not loving something, it's okay to make adjustments too. Yeah. So your plans are inspiration. They're there for you as a support and a backbone. They're not law. (laughs) You don't have to do everything that you planned. I think along with making those decisions about what actual subjects you're going to teach, it's important to take a little bit of your planning time and evaluate what goals you have, both for yourself and for your kids you can kind of take inventory of what you're hoping will get accomplished in your homeschool year, just so that that kind of frames the plans that you make. Like for example, if you want your kids to be comfortable speaking in front of people, if that's laid down as a goal, then you can look for opportunities as you go about your planning to have that happen. If you want your kids to really fall in love with books this year, that's going to shape what you do in your homeschool. So I always start with kind of a mindset of goals also. There is actually a page in the planner that is about goals. And, you know, we're going to be talking more about the paper planner as we come along through this podcast. But basically, it's just got a spot where you can write down a major goal and then it's got three steps that help you get there. So let's say that your goal is to have your kids be better public speakers. Well, one step that can get there is have them share projects once a week. Maybe that's your your goal. Have them share a project that they've worked on once a week in standing in front of the family and they're sharing the project. And another one might be a few times during the year, you're going to make sure that grandpa and grandma call on the phone and ask them about what they're learning. So it's not exactly public speaking, but they have to articulate to someone familiar what they're learning about. And that will help them in their speaking ability. So it it depends on what your goals are, but you can really kind of frame the other things that you do based on some goals that you have for yourself and your kids. Now, you're not going to set goals for them as far as what they will do because you don't know what their goals are in your mind only. But you can definitely set goals for what you hope you can foster in your kids. Your kids will have their own goals, 
but you can have goals as a mentor, mom or dad, homeschool parent slash teacher that you're looking to accomplish. And that can just help kind of form the things that you plan, give them a frame of reference. Okay. So the second thing that you do after you have chosen your major goals and you've assessed your previous year and decided what subjects you're going to be doing is to have the curriculum in hand that you will be doing. So you may have to buy it or just go get it off your shelf, whatever is the case. And you will have your curriculum sitting there in front of you and then you make your pacing guide. So Karen, do you want to describe the pacing guide a little bit? So the pacing guide is basically an opportunity for you in your written planner to make decisions about what weeks you're actually going to have homeschool and what will be taught. So when it comes to layers of learning, that's a time for me to say, okay, in September, we're going to have four weeks of school. And during that time, we're going to do layers of learning unit one and two. So two weeks per unit. And I kind of label the week and say, these are the units that we're going to cover. Again, that's not set in stone, but it kind of helps me to figure out how many weeks is it going to take for us to get through this? Are there any units that I only want to spend one week on instead of two? Is there a unit that I want to spend a whole month on? And so do I need to make some adjustments? One of the things that you do that I love, Michelle, you often will take a week off in the middle of the school year, right? Like in October, don't you do that? We do. So what I do is every time that there is a month that has five weeks in it instead of four, like full weeks, then I will take that fifth week off. And it ends up being about four weeks a year through the school year. And it all evens out because we just take our vacations Throughout. Throughout. And and what it does is it allows us to have a little bit of a break. It allows me to get some stuff done at home that maybe I was letting slide because I'm homeschooling so much. And it also allows us to come back fresh again, like more enthusiastic. It keeps you from getting burned out. Well, and sometimes you guys even go on vacation at times that are... Yeah, I, I like going on vacation when everyone else's kids are in school because they're not on vacation. And so those, you know, the campgrounds are less full and the national parks are less full and whatever. So your pacing guide is going to look different depending on if you're a year round homeschooler or if you keep a school year that's similar to your local school district or, you know, for some people, their weather is opposite from what we have. We have four seasons here and in the winter, it's definitely super, super cold. And I'm more than happy to have homeschool all throughout the winter because I'm not wanting to go outside. But if you live in an opposite environment, you might have a different time. So your pacing guide is going to depend on exactly what your family wants. How many weeks do you want? What weeks are you going to be in school? And so I kind of just generally plan that out and say, okay, these are the weeks that we're going to have school. And this is kind of what we're going to cover. It's a very general guideline. Yes. The the pacing guide is a big picture. You would not put on there specific activities that you want to do or specific books you want to read or what the specific chapters you're going to cover. You would just put on there, we're going to study this subject in this month. It would be that general. Yeah. You, you might say, oh, I want to do a little bit less in December because we want to spend some time doing Christmas things. But you're not going to have planned out what Christmas activities you're going to do. You're just going to make a note of that. Sometimes I make a note of, oh, like maybe once a month or so we want to plan some kind of a field trip. So it's just kind of one of those generic, let's look at a complete overview of my school year and kind of schedule it. It's like the school district calendar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And even even if you're not a big summertime planner, 
just planning out that pacing guide is really helpful. It'll help you later on if you're, you know, if you're planning month by month or week by week, it will help you keep on track and get you, because you need that whole picture so that you know, okay, I want to make sure that we get clear through this workbook during this year and and how much do I need to cover? And, And that pacing guide helps you to know how many units to cover, how many chapters or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I, no matter how many years I've homeschooled, I have always made a pacing guide. It's really fast and easy now because I tend to do the same thing that I did last year for the most part. But it's just helpful to see that big picture. So what do you do after that, Michelle? After you have your pacing guide, what's the next step in your planning? So then I take the planner, and this is in the Layers of Learning Planner. We have several different choices for your more detailed homeschool plans. There's a monthly plan, there's a weekly plan, and there's a daily plan. And the one that you choose depends on your style, it depends on your personality. I personally choose the monthly plan because I don't need super detailed plans. Part of that is because I've been homeschooling a long time and I really know what I'm gonna be doing. I don't worry about detailing it out. For example, when I was a new young homeschooler, I used to write down every chapter of the math I was doing for every kid. And so I would use a weekly planner so that I could write down, okay, Nathan is doing chapter five on Tuesday and Tim is doing chapter three on Tuesday and whatever. I would have that all totally detailed. Now I don't even write math in my planner. I just know we're going to the next chapter when we get done with this chapter. And so I have become a lot more loose with that. And so I can fit everything that I need on a single sheet of paper in on a monthly planner. So on the monthly planner, I will just write things that are specific activities that I want to make sure we do. And mostly this is the layers of learning stuff. So I'll put in there, we're doing history. And so we want to build a cardboard castle. And so I'll write cardboard castle on this week for history. You'll write the name of the exploration that you're doing from layers of learning. Yeah. I use the weekly planner still, even though I've been homeschooling a long time too. I just like having the weekly layout. For me, it's like, I kind of treat it almost like the Pinterest board of my week. Even if we don't get to every single thing that I had planned, I just love seeing a two page spread of my week sitting on my desk and having this inspiration board of all of the things that when I was in the summer and I had amazing fresh enthusiasm, I envisioned us doing that week. And so I do like to detail the explorations that we're going to do. I make notes of books and resources or movies that I really hoped we would watch. And I find that if I took the time to lay out those plans, I accomplish far more than if I don't take the time to plan anything at all. Because then I'm scrambling on the weekend. I'm going, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? If I already have ideas and they're all laid out for me that I put together in the summer, it just feels easy. Also, one thing that I do while I am filling in my planner with the detailed list of the explorations that we're going to do, I am making a list of the materials that I'm going to need. Because some of those things you have to buy ahead of time. I don't write down things that are normal household supplies that I know we have. I know we have construction paper. I don't need to write that down on my list. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that I know that I need to buy, then I will put it on a list and that way I can keep track. And you can either buy it all in the summer, you know, when you're buying all your school supplies, or you can have that list in that planner page so you know, okay, for this month, this is the stuff I have to buy. 
Yeah, I usually just add it to like my Amazon cart or my shopping list if I'm going to get it locally and have it ahead of time. But it's just as easy to just make a note of it in your planner. And then you can quickly have access to those things when you need them. Yeah, that way you're never coming up on it's Monday morning and you were supposed to do this project, but you don't have the stuff. Mm -hmm. You just have the things because you've planned it ahead and you've put it on the list. and, And that is what the planner does for you. I will say this, you definitely, like in our Layers of Learning printed planner, you should not be using the daily and the weekly and the monthly layouts. No, you choose one. You're choosing. Am I a daily planner person? Do I want to have my detailed plans for every single individual homeschool day, which some people really thrive with? They really like that, yeah. Or are you like me and you're a weekly person where I want to see everything that I'm doing that week at a glance on my two-page spread? Or are you like Michelle and you just have a monthly view and that's adequate for you? You need to choose which one fits you. And you can try them out. You know, try try out different styles and see what works. You'll figure out pretty quickly whether you're going to be able to keep up with that daily plan. Or if, you know, the monthly plan is just too sketchy and doesn't have enough detail for you. You'll figure it out pretty quick. Along with my weekly version, I told you that I see it all on a two-page spread. But I actually have two two-page spreads that I use. Within the planner, you'll also see writer's workshop planning pages. And so I use the weekly spread for most of my things, but then a little bit more detailed plans on my writer's workshop page. And then it also, adjacent to that page, there's a spelling list page where I keep track of the spelling list that my kids are using. I actually don't fill those out completely in the summer Because a lot of our writer's workshop plans happen dynamically as I see what my kids are wanting to write and what they need to work on. But I do build them into my planner in the summer. I put those pages there and they're available. And I do plan out the first month or so of my writer's workshop during the summer. But then I leave the blank planner pages in there and it's a spot for me to take notes. And I treat my weekly pages that way too. Just because I did it in the summer doesn't mean that it doesn't change. I write notes in it all the time. I I like to highlight things as yeah, we complete that's, them. That's actually a technique, Karen, that you taught me is that when when Karen completes something, she highlights it. And that way you can see really quickly both what has been finished and what hasn't. So if you didn't get to it that week, you can either go, oh, well, we didn't get to it. We're not doing it. Or you can move it on to the next week if you feel like it's something important that you shouldn't miss. And, and that way you can stay flexible. Another thing that Karen does is that she never, ever dates her planner ahead of time. I don't. Because I get the flu and I'm sick for a week. And then I feel behind and then I'm discouraged. You know, something happens and you're off your plan and that messes with my mind. And so if it's not dated, it's easy for me to say, okay, we didn't get to it this week. This is our new week. And so I do have the pacing guide where that is actually dated. I kind of planned out our homeschool weeks, but it makes it very, very easy to make adjustments if you don't date your actual planner, whether you use the day or the weekly one. If it's the monthly one, it's automatically a lot more flexible. Yeah, the monthly one, that's one of the reasons I like the monthly one is because it's flexible anyway. I just need to get this stuff done this month or this week of this month. Like I'll have week one. These are the things I want to accomplish. So if we were sick on Monday or somebody had a dentist appointment on Tuesday, it's okay because I just got to get it done this week. I don't have to get it done 
this day. I don't have it specifically planned for a certain day and time. You know, it's interesting because my weekly planner that I use, you'll see it has columns. So Monday is the first column, Tuesday is the second column, Wednesday, and so on. But I don't actually use those days entirely, even though I do write them in. But if I don't finish something on Monday, the fact is I don't highlight it if I didn't finish it. And it's still there on the page on Tuesday. It doesn't matter if I got to it on Monday or not. That's not something that I adhere to exactly. I'm just looking at a weekly view and I try to keep it balanced like, okay, we need to make sure that I have completed enough things. But if I'm in the mood to do an art project on Monday and I had it planned for Thursday, I have no problem with saying, we're switching that up. We're doing it on Monday. I look at it as a weekly view, not a day by day, I must do this. So that's why the weekly one works for me. Yeah. Because I think in weeks in my homeschool. You might think in days and need to use the daily planner, but you've got to kind of try it out and see what fits your personality. Okay, so once you've done your summer planning and you've got your explorations picked, you've got your curriculum chosen, now you you have been making a list of all the supplies you need. And so this is a good time to order the supplies. So if you are have been looking at a microscope for this year for biology, then this is when you would have that. So you've got your things on hand as you go through the year and you're not scrambling. Even if you have chosen to buy your supplies in batches throughout the year, you still have that list and you know when you're going to purchase them. One of the things that I like to do is add everything to my Amazon cart that I'm getting specifically on Amazon. I don't get everything from Amazon, but I would say a lot, 90% (laughs) I do. So one of the cool things is that you can add it to your cart And then anything that you don't want to get, then you can just put the save for later. So you can even buy them throughout the school year if budget wise, that's better for you. Or you can put it in a wish list and label it December because Mm -hmm. you know you're going to buy it in December or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. But it does allow you to have it ready at the push of a button to get instead of it taking a lot of your time during the school year to shop again. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have the library extension on my browser. So the library extension is just a little add-on onto your internet browser. I use Google Chrome for this. so It, it works on Firefox too, and I think Internet Explorer. I think so. it, yeah, it's pretty universal. But when I have that, anytime that I'm in Amazon, if I look up a book, right on the side of my screen, it also shows me if it's available at my local library. Which is really nice because then you're not buying things that you don't really need. And you don't have to shop in two places at once. You don't have to have your library website up and the Amazon website up, you can just look on Amazon and see right away if your library has it. Yeah, and it helps me. I mean, some things I want to buy anyway. I'm like, oh, I've wanted that book for so long. I want to have it in our home. But more often than not, if our library has it, I'm like, no, I'll just use it for this unit and then we can take it back to the library. I don't need to spend all my money, you know? Right. So it allows you to make those decisions quickly when you've got the library extension installed. So that's really helpful for me. And I do often have my library website up because on our library, I'm not sure if yours does this, Michelle, but on ours, I can create lists. Yes. So I have like a unit list on my library website. So if I'm doing unit 2-1, I have a little list that's called unit 2-1 and I get to add books. And then when I come to that throughout the school year, I can just say, basically reserve all of those books from that list and then my library gets them and emails me when they have my 
books ready and I come pick them up in one swoop. So so sneaky. I do that during the summer because it saves me tons of time. Yeah, you don't have to search. It takes a long time to search out books and search out resources. And so if you can just do it once while you're planning, you've already got everything fresh in your mind, then it saves a ton of time later. That's probably the most demanding part of my planning, actually, is gathering the books and supplies that I think we're going to need throughout the school year. But again, in the summertime, I have a lot of fresh enthusiasm for it. It's actually feeling fun fun Mm -hmm. versus if I wait till the school year to do it. It feels hard and I'm like, I didn't have time to do it. And then we don't have our books ready for the unit. And so nothing's working. If you can streamline a few of those things, then it makes the school year really feel easy and ready. I personally like to spend my Sunday afternoons lazing about. (laughs) So so that's what I do instead of doing weekly planning. I don't have to do planning during the week because I do it in the summer. But some people really like the weekly planning that works better for them. And that's totally fine, too. Yeah, you you really want to plan with your personality because that's the only way that you'll really do it consistently is if you match up your style with your with what you enjoy. I right, guess. exactly. In the planner, there are a specific set of pages that are designed for planning layers of learning units. So you will take your whole unit and plan it out on this one page. And the advantage of this page is that it helps you to narrow down to the appropriate number of projects because when you're using layers of learning you don't have to do everything in the book you pick and choose between them and it also has spaces on it for a library list and a space for something that you may want to memorize from the unit it has a spot to put in supplies that you gather and another spot for supplies that you need to shop for so this is something that we don't use as much anymore this is kind of a really detailed plan for layers of learning specifically. And the reason we don't use it very much anymore is because Michelle and I have been doing this for a really long time. We don't require it at this point. But if I were brand new to layers of learning, these are the detailed plans that I would be using in my planner. We've mentioned Michelle does the monthly page, I do the weekly page. But if I were brand new, I would at least start with this. This is the unit page. You're looking at it and saying, okay, what are we going to do in history? What are we going to do in geography? What are we going to do in science? What are we going to do in art? And each of those has its own page with detailed plans. If you're just starting out, we really recommend trying this instead of the daily, weekly, monthly. When you're starting layers of learning, jump into a unit plan just so that you can get used to it and see how the units are working in your homeschool. As you go on, you're going to kind of develop your own layers of learning style and probably you won't need this anymore. You'll probably choose either a monthly, weekly, or daily format. But this is available in the printable planner, especially for those who are just starting out. So at the top of the page, there's kind of a little tab looking thing and the history one is green and it says history at the top. And then it says planner for year and the year is the layers of learning year. So we have year one, year two, year three, year four. Okay. So you'll write in one of those years. So planner for year one, unit one, and you fill in which year and unit you're on. And then you will fill in the things from the unit that you really want your kids to know. So Year one, unit one, history is about Mesopotamia. And maybe the most important thing that you want your kids to learn from that is the kinds of environments that are required for civilization to begin. And that's the most important thing 
to you. And so then that will guide you in choosing the explorations that you will be picking under that. Yeah, so this is just a one-page glance at a unit, and it can be really, really helpful for you to just keep track of what resources you have, what projects you want to do. But again, you don't want to fill out the monthly view and the weekly view and the daily view and the unit view. You need to decide which of those you're going to use in the planner and just print that. Don't print everything. Don't duplicate your planner work over and over and over again. Yeah, you just need one. And these sheets will help you to plan layers of learning when you're first starting out. So they're really useful for that. So Michelle, after you have made your plans and you have gathered your supplies or at least added them to lists, whether it's on your library website or Amazon or wherever, what is your next step that you do in planning? I usually will take all of the printables that I've planned So as I'm going through the unit books, I'm picking explorations. And if they require a printable, I'll make note of that. And I print out the printables ahead of time. Right now I've got two children, so I would make two copies of the printable. And I'd put it in a folder or in a a part of my binder so that it's there. So when we come to that on Monday, I'm not scrambling to go find out where the printable is and getting that ready. I just pull it out and I hand my kids the map or whatever the printable is. I do the same thing. I have a file folder for each unit. And so I put the printables in there and I might have other resources too. Maybe I have a recipe that I want to use. I do put the timeline squares that we're going to use for our timeline in there. So that's part of the printable pack, but I actually prepare prepare the timeline squares. I put them in a little baggie and some years I've laminated them so that I can reuse them. So if you're going to laminate something, you can do that ahead of time. Those things just help streamline things so that it's less stressful during the school year. Yeah, it, it turns your entire school year into a grab and go school year. You don't have to do any planning. You don't have to do any prep. You don't even have to look over the lesson ahead of time. You're opening it up when you're sitting there with your kids and you're all beginning together because you've already got all the supplies picked out. And sometimes if I have like a flashcard pack, I know when we did space, I had these postcards that we had purchased when we were at the Kennedy Space Center. And so I stuck this little postcard set in my file folder so that I would remember to pull it out. It just helps me to not forget what things I have already. You know, right. There's there's a lot that we have that I go, oh, I got to that unit and I forgot to use. that. Yeah. <laughs> so if if you can either make a note of it in your planner or you can stick it in your file folder for the unit or however it is that you want to organize, it just helps you to be able to not have to have your brain engaged every second. You you remember the things yeah. throughout the school year that you might forget otherwise. Be- because I use a monthly planner, I do mine by months. So I'll have a file folder or a section that says September October, November, and then I put all of my supplies into the month. And I do mine by unit. Yeah. So it it just depends on how you want to organize it. But it does really help when you just have it all prepped and you can just pull it out. It makes it so easy. If I don't do that, I end up skipping stuff because I'm lazy or I didn't get it ready on time. You are good with printables, though. Like if you add on a printable that you didn't put in, you'll print things straight from your iPad, won't you? Like, yeah. Oh, I wasn't planning on this map, but we're going to do it. I think printables are a little easier than some of the other supplies. But still, it's really, really nice to just have them all sitting there ready. Yeah, I agree. We get a lot more accomplished when I have taken that week of planning in the summer to just get things ready. Yeah, it's so much 
streamlines everything, relieves so much stress, makes it a lot easier. Within the planner, there are also some other helpful pages that you don't necessarily have to fill out during the summer, but they can help your homeschool to stay organized as you go. So, for example, there's a grade book in there. So the grade book is for you to keep track of grades. And you don't necessarily need them for all of your kids all of the time. My little ones, I don't grade them at all. So it depends on their ages. It also depends on where you live. You may have homeschooling laws where you live that require you to keep grades. And so the grade book is for that. So you just write on there the subject that you're grading, maybe English or history or whatever it is. And then you'll write down the assignments on the list. And then there's space on the grade book for four children. If you have more than four children, you just use more than one section of the gradebook and you'll write their names in and then you'll just put in their percentage grades. So if they did really well on their English assignment, then they get 100%. If they read the whole book, they got 100% or whatever, you know, quizzes and different things like that. You can put grades in. And you get to decide what you grade. You don't necessarily have to grade every single assignment that a kid does. In school, they usually grade tests quizzes and sometimes projects they'll grade papers for older students but a lot of the work that your elementary kids would come home from school with is not actually graded so we feel like it is but it's not actually graded in schools and it certainly doesn't have to be in your home school so you get to decide what are the components that I am going to add grades for and that really will vary depending on if you're teaching a six-year-old or a 16-year-old and so, but you get to set up those guidelines. And so you can use that grade book in the planner. We haven't really mentioned it yet, but we also have a OneNote planner. And we also have a grades and transcripts sheet that we sell on layers of learning. And both of those are just the computerized version of what we are describing here. So if you're more of a digital person instead of a paper person, you might gravitate to that grade book and that planner instead of the paper version. It doesn't yes. matter which one you use, but but if you need to keep track of grades, those are resources that are available to do that. So besides the homeschool component of the planner, there are also some other helpful pages that we have in there. And they're the kinds of things that you would expect to see in any planner. There's a contact sheet where you can, it's basically your phone book, your address book for your friends and family. There's a website sheet where you can keep track of websites that you frequently visit, usernames, passwords, things like that. There are some to-do lists. And like Karen and I said, we like lists. So if you're a list person, then you might like some of the to-do lists. There's quite a variety of them in there. So you can find one that fits you. Again, like the planner pages, you don't need all of the to-do list pages. Find the one that fits you and use that one in your planner. There are spots for goals. We already mentioned the uh, individual goals. There's also some family goal sheets that you can talk about with your children and some personal goal sheets. And again, you just use the ones that appeal to you. And then there's a habit tracker. If there's a habit that you want to develop, exercising, eating the right things, whatever your habits are, reading every day, whatever they might be, you can do it. use the habit tracker. There's also a bucket list, which is a little bit like goals, but it's just... It says 100 things to do in my life. So you can just create a fun bucket list of things that you hope to do. Uh, and then there are budget sheets and some pocketbook sheets, which help you keep track of money. You're also going to find a weekly meal planner. So that's just a spot for you to make notes about what you're planning to prepare. 
not all of these pages are going to be used by everyone who buys this planner. So I actually just jot down what I'm fixing for dinner right on my main calendar page in my planner. But if you like to make detailed meal plans with shopping lists, it has a spot for that. So pick and choose the pages that you want to utilize out of the planner. Don't feel like because it's provided, you should be using every one. We hoped to provide more than you could ever or should ever use. And then you can customize it to how you like. And of course, there are also just the normal calendar planner pages where you can put your daily you know, appointments and other things like that on. So we've got all of that to pick and choose between, print out what you like and custom design your own planner. Hopefully it's helpful to you. They're, the planner right now is just 99 cents on the website. So it's really affordable and easy to find. And also check out that OneNote planner and the transcript sheet. It's the, the grades and transcript sheets, they're spreadsheets and they already have the calculations done for you. So when you enter grades and when you enter grade point averages on the transcript, it does the calculations for you and finds those averages. And it's really handy. So we both find that we accomplish a ton more when we just take a little bit of time to plan. Planning is not for everybody. Some people completely fly by the seat of their pants with immense success. And I think that that gets easier to do as you become more comfortable, both with homeschooling and with a particular curriculum. So you may ease into that over time, even if you're not doing that now. So plan the way that fits your personality, your family, and that's where you're going to find your little sweet spot of success. When you're trying to become a planner when you're not one, it won't work. If you are a planner and you try to fly by the seat of your pants, it won't work. So find out how you plan and then use people's ideas. Use what Michelle does. Use what I do for ideas. But you get to plan for yourself, for your family to make it fit what your goals are, what your hopes are and what you want to accomplish in your homeschool. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.